Hi, I'm Tiffany, and you are listening to the Legacy Lounge Podcast. If you are a high-achieving, mission-driven entrepreneur who wants to elevate your income, impact, and influence, you're in the right place. I left my corporate career as a creative director for Fortune 500 brands to create a legacy with my work and to support entrepreneurs to do the same. And I'm not talking about having your name on a building or statues in your image. I'm talking about leaving behind a positive impact and creating something enduring that can be passed on. You pour your time, energy, and passion into your business. So let's make sure your efforts will create a ripple effect that reaches far into the future. Each monthly series will guide you through the business, leadership, and life skills you need to successfully leave a legacy that stands the test of time. And each episode is totally valuable on its own. We are here to provide you with the tools and ideas to make massive shifts and quantum leaps in your business, transforming you from entrepreneur into legacy brand. So sit back, relax, and let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Legacy Lounge. I am joined by the amazing legacy leader, Tarzan K this week. And this month's theme is all about voice. So not only are we going to talk about how to find your voice, what is a voice in your brand and business, Tarzan is an email marketing expert who teaches how to sell big with truth infused, more addictive than Netflix story-based emails. And her online courses teach online business owners how to make consistent sales through email without using harmful harmful persuasion strategies. So we're really going to dive into not only why is your voice useful, but how to use an email. And Tarzan truly is an email star. Like she's amazing. I've known her for quite a while, so I'm super excited to dive in and for Tarzan to bring all her juicy value to you today. Tarzan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. I'm just remembering as you said that, that we, I feel like we started our business at the same time. We had this mastermind group in 2016 and we were such babies just trying to figure out what we were doing. And here we are, um, you know, six and a half years later and wow, I'm congratulating both of us because most businesses actually don't survive this long. And here we are surviving and thriving. You're right. Thank you for that reminder. And yeah, I was still in corporate at that time too. I was like side hustling for a couple of years. So <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. So true. And, and just to see all the ebbs and flows and changes since then. So, so awesome mm-hmm. to have you on today and to remember back in the day. So I always start out by asking people, uh, what does legacy, obviously you're here, I'm all about legacy in the legacy lounge. What does legacy mean to you and why is it important? Like six years later, looking back as you look into the future, where you want to take your business from here? Mm, I think we can talk about legacy in a lot of areas of life, but for me, something I've realized like throughout my career, I've been a copywriter and an email marketer. And it's taken me six years to realize like, oh, actually to remember I am a writer. And for me, my writing is very much my legacy in business, in my business and in my life. My writing is what I will leave behind. And my writing is how I'm able to make an impact in my business and how I'm able to, um, 
how I'm able to really like put forth the mission of my business. And it's really email marketing that allows me to be a writer. So I think my legacy is unfolding in many ways in my business. That's amazing. So good. And I love that it ties exactly into what you do too. So mm-hmm. yeah. let's dive right in and talk about this one's theme, which is voice. And I'm going to have episodes after this as well, if you're listening. So make sure to keep tuning in to really dive into voice specifically, but email, like Tarzan was just saying, is such a huge piece. If you don't have your voice nailed down, it's really difficult sometimes for you to be, I believe, um, really successful in business in general, because your brand is based a lot on your voice. So I'd love to hear from Tarzan, from you as a copywriter and as an email strategist, what does voice mean to you? Like it can be such, it's like, okay, I just show up. I'm talking. Is that my voice? Yeah, that is your voice. So for a lot of people, especially when they come from corporate or they have like a, um, have an academic background, um, we like a lot of the voice that comes out feels really contrived and like it's supposed to be something. So the first thing I want to say about voice is everybody has one. You are born with one. Even people who don't speak have a voice and it gets lost though, in trying to be something, especially with personal brands, trying to look a certain way or project a certain amount of success online that sometimes the voice gets a bit lost in that quest to sound like someone that is not you. And what I found with my students in my email marketing program, email stars is what really shifts and what makes people's emails really pop and sound like full of personality and really um, sound like a person is when they actually allow themselves to be who they are and speak how they do in everyday life. So, and so that's the first thing is like, we're all born with one. You already have one. You don't really have to develop one or make it something. However, um, voice is something that gets stronger, the more writing you do. And a lot of what I have noticed, and this is one thing I really love about email marketing. Email marketing is like writing that you have to consistently do every single week for basically the lifetime of your business. If you are the person whose job that is, eventually you could outsource that, but um, it's something you have to consistently do. And the more you do of it, the more you develop your voice. Like it, it does take practice to allow your own voice to really shine through because you're trying to do something. You're trying to create a marketing message. You're trying to write something that will appeal to people. So um, it takes a bit of practice for that voice to come through in a way that feels more effortless. Um, So A, you have one. B, it will come through over time with practice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I so relate to that. I remember coming from the corporate world, also being a professor. And so some of that still is who I am. Like I'm fairly serious. I'm not, I tried to be funny when I first started my business. I'm like, this is just not who I am. Like why, why try to be something that I'm not? So I have so many people that come through the branding process and are just like have no clue. And it's so easy to get disconnected from ourselves, from our past or being a mom or being all the things. Right. And so Mm. that's one of the things I love to help people with too, is to dive back in and do the deep work to uncover who you truly are. I always say that branding and figuring out your voice is like a self-development process. Right. So 
completely yes completely and just for like some practical examples of voice like I do in my business I have a brand voice guide and I can give that guide to a copywriter or content creator um, or we can use it internally and it's like basically my voice codified and things you find on there are like certain slang that I often use like how I like to punctuate things, like how I play with grammar. Um, it could include like references that I come back to a lot. Um, it could include like that, and that could be cultural references. Like I recently just watched the whole uh, Game of Thrones series. So like, there's a lot of Game of Thrones that came through, but you know, certain cultural references come up again and again and again. I refer to like my religious upbringing. I refer to like my use of psychedelics. Like there's a lot of things, um, a lot of themes that come through again and again. That's part of my brand voice. And that a lot of those things come through with time. So it is the more you practice, I think then you can sort of reflect on it and see like, oh, this comes through a lot. Oh, this is something that I do. Totally. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that one of the next episodes, actually, I go fully into how to create a brand style guide, pulling it out. That's what a lot of what I help clients do as well, because then you can outsource it and it's so amazing. So, but I really do want to um, now move into the email, which is like your place that you shine and really talk about you know, first of all, how does email affect someone's legacy? You said it yourself. It's basically your legacy, but how is it a part of legacy in your business? How can you use email in your business? And why is it so important being focused on email rather than everybody's so focused on social usually, usually like be on TikTok, be on Instagram, be everywhere. Um, but you really focus on email hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I like social media and this isn't a, uh, you know, I mean, I, if I have to choose, I choose email, but I, you know, I know people that do social media really well. I personally am not actually great at social media. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why I love email. Um, first thing is like the, the ROI on email is clear. It is well-documented. Um, email has like a 33,600% return on investment, like at a minimum. Um, another way that people will say that is like, you know, for every dollar you get, like it's, it's outrageous. Like the return on investment in email is clear and specific. Like I can see, I send this email, it goes to this many people. I make this percentage of sales. Like that is, um, it's, it's a lot more predictable than social media, but the other thing for me, my, so this is my process with email. I send two emails a week to my list and I write those emails on Monday. I write them in a Google doc and in that Google doc, I also keep ideas for the month and things I want to write about. It's a place, it's kind of a container for holding my ideas. I write them in the doc, someone else loads them. It used to be me. However, even just that, the difference between being on social media where there's like 800 things flashing at you at all times and creating this bite-sized content, which like, that's fun. Like I love TikTok. I'll do TikTok all day, watch TikTok all day long. It's a great place. <laughs> However, like 
email, like compared to a blank document where I'm looking at it and I actually have to say, what is my message? What needs to come through today? And then on the other side of that, on the receiving end, like replies to emails are vastly different than comments on a social media post or even DMs on Instagram. Cause again, that's like a really, um, that's like, you know, it's a very fast moving space. Email is different. Um, when I think about the quality of replies that I get to my emails and the relationships that I have built in the inbox, like I am a storyteller and I also like my emails are, are, um, you know, they're, they tend to be like quite a lot. Like I share a lot. I share deeply, um, they're, they can sometimes be a bit shocking. There's just a lot. They're very meaty and they're very honest and my subscribers reply back in kind and the relationship development that i've been able to do is just really phenomenal i think email is such a like a humane space where you can really connect with people and build relationships in a way that i don't think that i don't think any other platform can offer <clears throat> yeah that's so true so speaking a little bit deeper on email, uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about for those people who maybe are like, well, I don't even have a list yet, or I have a really small list. Um, how many people do you think really need to be on a list to make it worthwhile to have those interactions to have all of those things? I think a lot of times, just like on social, people think, oh my gosh, I need you know a million followers to be valid. Um, what is your take mm -hmm. on that for email? Well, I think the premise of the question is a bit flawed because it makes it seem like you build your list and then you nurture your list. And actually they have to happen at the same time. If you're not nurturing the subscribers that you're adding to your email list, your list growth efforts are futile. Like you are going to end up scrubbing those email addresses from your list six months down the road because they're disengaged. So really, I think nurturing, having a process and being committed to nurturing your email subscribers actually starts from day one that you start list building, whether you have 10 subscribers or a thousand subscribers, like it does not matter. You start nurturing when you start list building. And that's really critical. And I also think though, that it takes some of the pressure off because people can take their emails way too seriously. Like even me, I think every email I send has to be like the best and the funniest and have the best story. And sometimes I just have to step back a bit and be like, you know what, this email today is like B minus and I'm just going to be okay with that. Um, so when you only have a few subscribers, like that's your training ground. That's a plate, like that is time for you to develop your voice, to develop, like, what is my message here? What is the legacy that I want to leave with my writing? And you don't have to have, like a lot of that will come through with time. You don't have to figure it out right away, but you know, it's, I think it's easier to be a little bit messy when there are only a few people watching. It's also easier in the early days, like, um, when I think about, so I don't have, you know, small list, large list, like is totally relative by the way. And, you know, what I used to think was a large list I now have, and I think it's a small list. So, um, I have about 13,000 email subscribers and I will say like, 
in the days when I had a smaller list, I actually, I would almost say I liked it even more. Like my relationships with my subscribers were even more intimate. I could spend more time getting to know them. And that's really important. Like I have seen over and over, like I have done promotions where, you know, I'm quote unquote competing, like to sell the same product with someone who has 10 times or even a hundred times the subscribers that I do. And we're making the same number of sales. Like that really is possible. Like with, because with a small list, you can be so highly attentive um, during the sale and after the sale. And that can be like in my days of having a small list, I felt like my small list was my superpower. I love that. I love that reframe of smallest being a superpower because I think people are like, well, nobody's even there. Do I need to email them still? How often should I be emailing? So that's a really good question too. So what if somebody maybe feel like they ghosted their list a little bit, they have a small list, they haven't been nurturing it. What would you recommend to those people? I really think you can just pick it up and keep going. I don't think it has to be complicated. I think I, I recognize that for people who haven't emailed their list in a while, it feels like it's a big deal. Like you might treat that first email like it's a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Some people may have noticed that you were missing for a while. They probably don't know how long it's been. Um, and really you can just pick it up and keep going. Like you don't have to even offer any explanation. If you want to, you can, but I would recommend just saying, Hey, here's how you got on this list. Um, if you don't want to be here, here's the door. And you know, that can be the unsubscribe link. And, and this is what you can expect from me going forward. And then, you know, make that your commitment to emailing your list and doing what you say you're going to do, which is how you build no like, and trust factor. And, you know, however many people you have on your email list, whether it's like 10 or 150, like, well, now you have that number of new accountability buddies to hold you accountable to do what you said you were going to do. Ah, so good. Another great reframe for people. I think it's so important to think about that too, as far as your brand is concerned and building it even if you're starting out or you really haven't nurtured it, that is the no like and trust factor, like you said. If you're not being in front of people, how are they going to get to know you? And if you're wondering why your sales aren't working, it's probably because you're not nurturing. So it all goes back to that. And I feel mm. like exactly what you said earlier, like I'm on social as well, but it feels so much more powerful to send those emails, get those responses. It's, it's just so much more intimate. So I love that. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, um, since we have a few more minutes left is you've really been talking a lot about, um, you know, like persuasion strategies and doing less harm in not only mm. email, but just in marketing in general. And that's something that I think has gotten, hasn't gotten enough attention. I think there's certain people talking about it, but I've definitely talked about coming to business from a conscious angle and really, you know, not using some tactics that necessarily, um, that have been used a lot in the past. And I think the industry in general is shifting right now. Um, I can feel it. I think a lot of people are feeling it. So I just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I was, you know, I'm trained as a copywriter and for copywriters, your first lesson is persuasion. 
And what's interesting that I didn't learn until many years later is the principles of persuasion, urgency, scarcity, liking, social proof, authority, consistency, um, I might've missed one, but those were codified by Robert Cialdini in his book, Influence. And he actually wrote that book for consumers so that we would know when someone was using our social conditioning against us. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is the marketing world like took those principles and turned them into a marketing system, like how to leverage people's impulses in order to make them buy things. And I didn't know, I just knew like persuasion. This is how you persuade people to buy your product. So I used all those things and I didn't consider the impact of taking someone's, taking away someone's ability to think critically about their decision-making. And that's where I think the harm is done. And like getting people to unconsciously reach into their wallets and give you thousands of dollars because your marketing is cause is like is like an itch that they just have to scratch. And you know, there are those of us who can recover quickly from a poor spending decision um, because we have greater access to credit and job opportunities and all those things. And there are um, the more marginalized people in our society that will not. And that's where I think the use of persuasion really becomes an issue of social justice. So those pieces have been coming together for me for a number of years. And over the years, I have also begun to rethink how I use persuasion. And it doesn't mean that I don't do those things. Like I have countdown timers. I have limited time offers. I still use those things. And, um, I think all of those things can be done ethically. It's more about being conscious of how much persuasion is used because when you use um, people's conditioning against them, you actually take away their ability to think critically. So we just have to be careful. And for us, that might mean we use, we're like, I'm okay with using more persuasion on lower price products when it comes to anything that's a thousand dollars or more. Well, then I want to have a longer launch window for people to make decisions. I have fewer expiring bonuses. I don't, even though theoretically I'm okay with it in certain contexts, I don't do fast action bonuses on webinars because that's making people make a $2,000 decision in 20 minutes, which I personally would just never do. Um, Or letting them know what's coming. Like, hey, I've said, like my email list knows, um, you know, it's been months of me telling them, Email stars opens on June 9th. It costs $1,500. There's a payment plan available for $250. There's no markup. Um, and if you sign up by, you know, if we ha- did have a bonus, we would say like, you know, if you sign up in the first couple of days, you'll get some special bonus or something. We give them, if we're doing something limited time, we also give people that information ahead of time so they can think it through and they can know, okay, yes, Um, if I do, I think I do want this product, so I'll just make sure I buy it during this timeframe. So I get the special things. So, um, we're still figuring it out. And I, I change my mind on things too. Like there's things that I didn't do before that I now, or that I used to do. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And now I'm like, oh, actually I think I'm okay with it in this context. So I'm not here to say X is bad. Y is good. I'm here to advocate for people making more intentional choices about how they use persuasion. 
Love that. I'm so glad that we went into that because I think, again, there's a shift happening and there's no black and white answers right now. And so just having the conversation is the first step to really start thinking about how we're using that in our, in all of our marketing, but especially in emails and on webinars and things like that. And I always trust that the right people are going to show up at the right time for what they truly need. And it's up to us to do that and give the value back to them as well. So so good. Thank mm. you for going there. <laughs> I, I really wanted mm. to talk about that as well. So anything else about um, email? You just mentioned email stars. So I would love to hear from you, like, what are you most excited and proud about creating or doing that will stand the test of time and create legacy in, in your business and to truly cement your voice? You know, this is Again, for the rest of the month, we'll be going into voice so much deeper, but that's why I wanted to bring you on is email really is a place where you, especially for those of us um, who don't love showing up online, like a lot of my, I'll be completely transparent. My team does most of my posting. I just don't like social media. I don't love showing up all the time. I like being behind the scenes and promoting other people's brands more than I like promoting myself. So email is a great space to use. Like you said, practice your voice, use your voice show up. You don't have to say it and be seen at the moment. You can really pour your heart out in there. So mm. anyways, I kind of went on a tangent along with asking the question, but um, I'm just really excited for people to use email more and to rely on it more. Yeah. I think email is like a really great space for us, like nerdy introverts that like to be alone in a quiet room. Like to me, that's what email feels like compared to social media, which feels like a loud party where I'm like, do I belong here? Like, where are my friends? Uh, so, but coming back to legacy, like I, I do really feel like my emails, like my emails are my best work. And that's been tricky for me because, you know, people say that you should give away your best work for free, which I do, but by that, they usually mean post it publicly somewhere. Um, it means that my best content is actually gated. You have to sign up to get it. Um, but I am enormously proud of what I do in email. And I do feel like that writing will live on and particularly the impact of it, because so many of my subscribers, like I get <clears throat> these replies all the time that they feel I've shared something and they feel brave enough to share something. I had an incredible experience <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. So I wrote an email sequence and I sort of came out about having grown up in a cult. And not only that, um, but as is very common with people who are in cults is they join other cults. And so I talked about growing up in a cult and other high control groups and situations that I got myself into after that. And I got an email from someone, one of my subscribers that said, um, thank you for sharing your story. It impacted me deeply. I didn't realize that personal development groups could be cults. And I've just realized that my family and I have been in a cult for the last six years. And I don't know how I'm going to get out, but I just wanted to say thank you because you really opened my eyes to something. And I <clears throat> was blown away. And, you know, I got on the phone with this person right away and shared some resources and tried to give her whatever encouragement and help that I could. But that to me, like, felt like <clears throat> whatever sales I made from that sales sequence, like, that's great. 
I needed sales. I need sales to run my business. However, the impact on that person's life, like that is legacy. And I felt so incredibly proud. And that's not like, you know, when you're talking about sales, yeah, like you need the numbers to get the big sales. You don't need the numbers to make an impact like that. So um, you can do that with five subscribers. You can do that with 50,000 subscribers. So I just want to offer that to your listeners who have a small email list, like the impact, I think, especially because it's such an intimate space, it's a private space. I think the impact can be just enormous. And um, I would love for them. I have a workshop. Can I talk about my masterclass that I have coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So on July 9th and 11th, we have a few times to choose one. We're trying to be time zone friendly because we have people from all over the world that come to our classes. Um, But I have a class coming up called Smallest Big Profit. And it's really about the keys to doing email marketing and creating an impact, no matter what the size of your email list. But in this masterclass, we do really focus on small list strategies, the sorts of things that you actually really can't do and don't really make sense with a big list. Because I just think there's so much opportunity there. Like there's opportunity for impact. There's opportunity for revenue. And there's opportunity to just like really find the joy in email marketing. And that to me, in terms of like the legacy of my business, um, yes, like we're doing things, we're making changes. I think we're influencing the industry in terms of how persuasion is used. And also just like the energy that people bring to their email marketing. One of my favorite things about um, what we do is the number of students that walk away feeling like really nourished and really proud of what they're doing with email and joyful about it because they're getting they're getting replies from their subscribers that say things like oh my god this is the best email i've gotten in weeks or like you're my favorite person in my inbox or things like that like once you start to build those relationships it just like you cannot help but love this medium so um, smallest big profit, you have a special link. So I'll leave that to you to say what it is. Um, but I would love for your listeners to come and join me for that. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely everyone, if you have a small list, take Tarzan up on this, um, super excited, super valuable. Thank you for offering that to the listeners today and just go ahead and, um, check the show notes below and that's really it for today. So thank you, Tarzan so much. I'm so glad we got to talk about how to use our voices, especially through email, because I truly believe in our businesses. Social media is there, but with one thing we didn't even talk about is like you own your email too, right? Like social media, mm. you don't own. So that's a whole nother tangent not. we could have gone mm. down. Um, mm. But I'm just really excited for my listeners because I know a lot of them do have small lists and Um, even if, if they don't, it's oftentimes they're torn between where to put their energy. And I truly believe that email is Mm -hmm. is a good place to put their energy. So remember, if you're not consciously building a legacy, you're simply building a brand unconsciously. I hope this discussion with Tarzan inspired you to take action, even if it's simply just moving the needle 1% towards the direction of your legacy. And if we all focus on making an impact, the ripple effects we have together truly can make a difference. And Tarzan, thank you so much again for being here today. Thanks, Tiffany.
That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Lounge podcast. Connect with me on Instagram at Tiffany Newman Creative. I would also love to hear your feedback to see what resonates with you and what you'd like to hear in the future. If you love this episode, please provide a review and we will be forever grateful. You can always find links and resources shared on the show by going to yourlegacybrand.com. Remember, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. What are you doing today to pour into others and to leave your legacy?